0: One time I asked my brother-in-law, Matt, why do you have so many carbon monoxide detectors in your house? And he proceeded to tell me a crazy story about how there was a carbon monoxide leak in his house back when he was a little kid. He says he remembers waking up in the middle of the night and he felt really sick to his stomach. So he went to his parents' bedroom. He woke them up. He told them he wasn't feeling well. They got up and they both realized, "Ah, you know what, we're not feeling very well either. We feel kind of sick. Seemed like something was really wrong in their house, but they didn't know what it was. So his dad picks up the phone and calls 911, but before he could finish explaining what was wrong, he dropped the phone and passed out on the floor. And Matt saw his mom rush over to try to help the dad, but halfway over and she collapsed on the bed and she passed out as well. And Matt says the next thing he remembers is waking up in the arms of a firefighter who was carrying him across their front lawn. He passed out too. It Turned out there was a deadly carbon monoxide leak in their house. And the fire department was able to break in and rescue the whole family just in the nick of time. It's crazy, right? Can you imagine how strange and disorienting that would have been? One minute you're in your parents room not feeling well but hoping hoping they'll get you right back to sleep. The next minute you're being rescued from a near death experience. I'm sure that once young Matt got his bearings and somebody explained to him what had happened, I bet he went, whoa! Well, that's what the Psalms of New Orientation do. They tell the story of a whoa experience, and then they give God credit and thanks for delivering his people. Like we said earlier, these Psalms pick up where the Lament Psalms left off, giving God the praises that we said we would give to him making good on our promise to praise God even before he delivers a favorable outcome for us. And the psalmist in these psalms is surprised and delighted by the way that the Lord hears the cries of his people and comes to their aid. In varying degrees of detail, they tell the story of when they were hurting and scared and in need. And then that is contrasted with the joy and the relief that comes when they can look back and see how far away from the danger they are now. We're going to listen to one of these psalms. Psalm 30 is a new orientation psalm. And as we listen to it, I want you to pay attention to those themes of joy, praise, thanksgiving, and telling the story of God's mercy. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. And you turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. This psalm resolves the trouble of a lament psalm like the one that we heard last week in Psalm 13. Psalm 13 asks this question, How long will my enemy triumph over me and rejoice when I fall? And Psalm 30 answers, You did not let my enemies gloat over me. Psalm 13 says, How must how long must I have sorrow in my heart? Psalm 30 says, You've turned my wailing into dancing. Psalm 13 asks, How long will you forget me, Lord? Psalm 30 replies, you lifted me out of the depths. The situation described in Psalm 30 is someone who is in need of healing and in danger of death. But the Lord heard their cry and rescued them. And the psalmist not only celebrates the Lord after this much appreciated rescue, but he also calls the assembly of faithful people to do the same. Sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name. Praise and thanks is the language of the redeemed, those who know what it feels like to be lost and then to suddenly be swept up in God's mercy and care. Tri-Valley, as a church, we have had a lot of reasons to celebrate God's mercy and care. There's a lot of victories that we've experienced together. As I was thinking about these new orientation psalms this week, I was reading through some old prayer requests that came through our congregation from people who are in really dire situations. I read this one from December 12th, 2014. I'm requesting an urgent prayer for Roger. He fell last Friday and hurt his back. Last night, a sharp pain suddenly hit him. He was laying on the floor for hours and couldn't stand up. Upon losing movement of his left foot, we ended up in the ER at Kaiser Walnut Creek and he had an MRI. The result indicates that he has hurt part of his spinal cord and a surgery is being scheduled immediately today. We're now getting ready to be transferred to Kaiser San Jose for the surgery. His condition seems to have worsened. Please pray for a successful surgery with no negative impact and that Roger will recover smoothly. Thank you and God bless, Cynthia. And then a few weeks later, we got to send out this email, February 12th, 2015. Roger Richardson has very good news. I have had steady recovery from my injury. I'm now able to walk a bit. Still lots of therapy ahead, however, Power of prayer, praise God. And then you might remember a few weeks after that, in our worship gathering, Roger stood up from the back of the auditorium, walked up to the front, and read our scripture reading for us. It was a testimony of God's grace and mercy, and we all praise God together. December 26, 2016, this uh, email was sent out. Claire Spinka continues to receive care for HUS at the ICU at Lucille Packard Children's Hospital in Palo Alto, where she's been for the past nine days. After several grim days of mounting complications with her heart, kidneys, and intestines, on Sunday and Monday, she showed some signs of improvement, though is still very sick. It's still unknown when she'll be able to come home. Please continue praying persistently for the Lord to restore Claire to health. Fast forward a couple months, April 4th, 2017, we got this report. Today was most excellent. We got word today around noon that Claire was cleared to come home. We have felt abundantly cared for and prayed for and are exceedingly grateful for that. I would ask for your continued prayers that Claire's recovery will stay on the positive path that she's been traversing. And please thank God for his care for Claire, presence with all of us during this very trying chapter in our lives. And then you might remember when Claire was back, With us in the church, her first Sunday back to worship, we lit candles and we sang joy to the world and we sang here I am to worship and we praised God together for his faithfulness. Those are Tri-Valley Psalms of new orientation. Those are our stories of God's faithfulness and rescue and how he's brought us through. We have a lot of stories like these. The experiences themselves that are so scary and life-threatening at the time, But then they become just another chapter in the story of God's long standing faithfulness and another reason for us all to praise him together. When we zoom in on verse nine of Psalm 30, we see the necessity of praise spelled out. It's interesting, the the psalmist recounts his cry to God when he was in trouble. And in it, he tells God the reason why God should keep him alive. Now, that's an interesting kind of little bargaining chip that you, you may or may not want to try to use on God. He says, God, you need me alive, and here's why. Before I tell you what he says, how would you finish that sentence? Would you say, God, you need to keep me alive so I can continue showing love to my neighbors? Would you be able to say that? God, you need to keep me alive so that I can tell more people about the good news of Jesus. Or is it more likely, God, you need to keep me alive because I've got to finish remodeling my house. <laughs> you need to keep me alive because I want to know what happens in season four of the show I'm watching. Well, those aren't the reasons that the psalmist gives. Look at what he says. What is gained if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? And then later on, you turned my wailing into dancing, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. He says, God, you need to keep me alive so that I can keep on praising you. If I die, there's going to be one fewer witness to your love and your mercy and your grace in this world when I hear that, I have to stop and wonder if I could say the same thing about myself. If I die, would there be a noticeable difference in the amount of God's praises that this world hears? I hope so. So what we see is that the psalmist and these psalms themselves remind us that we need to praise and give thanks to the Lord. We are witnesses of God's goodness. We're recipients of his blessings, and we need to share that with the world. Is that the view that we have of our praises and what they are, what they do? Does our thankfulness show in the interactions that we have with people? When Lisa and I were first married, we were part of this great little church in Northeast Pennsylvania. And they always had this tradition right before thanksgiving the day before thanksgiving they would have a potluck we'd fast all day wednesday and then we'd get together that evening to pray and have a potluck meal but they would always start by having everybody go around and say one thing that they were thankful for so the first year we show up to the potluck the food's all laid out in the middle everyone's sitting in a big circle around the room and we lean over we start chatting with some of the teenagers that were there and one of us tells us okay Here's what happens every year. We go around and say what we're thankful for, and it takes forever. So everybody's got a long story. So when it's our turn, we figured out, me and my brothers and my sister, we just say, we're thankful for friends and family, and that moves things right along. <laughs> and sure enough, when it got to them, they said, Evan, what are you thankful for? He said, friends and family. Great. Keith, how about you? Well, I'd have to say friends and family. <laughs> All right, Stephanie, what are you thankful for? Friends and family. All right. How about you, Kyle? Friends and family. (laughs) That's what they did. That was their strategy. And you can't really blame them. You know, they've been fasting all day long. They said it was the same thing every year. They knew that the fastest way to get to that food was to just make it quick. Say friends and family. But as for us, we don't want our celebrations of God's blessings to just be something that we need to hurry and get out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Friends and family. Let's eat already. This should be something that flows out of us because we realize what an amazing rescue we've received. We need to remember that every day, like Matt waking up in the arms of a fireman, we have been carried to safety by the God that we praise. The Apostle Paul taps into the style of New Orientation Psalms when he reminds the Colossian Christians to be thankful for Jesus. He says, in light of the salvation that you have in Jesus Christ... I want you to live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Now watch, he's about to tell the story of salvation. Here's where this goes for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the Psalms say that we need to tell the story of salvation. Paul says that we need to tell the story of salvation. I'm starting to think we need to tell the story of salvation. You might have seen Tri-Valley's tagline before. Tri-Valley Church of Christ, love God, live faithfully, Share Christ. That's the most abbreviated way to describe what the Tri-Valley Church is all about. That's why we exist. Those are the goals that we're aiming for. One, love God. That's knowing God, worshiping God, giving God thanks, listening to his word, learning his will for creation. Then there's living faithfully. That's taking what we know about God and then practicing it in our lives living out our faith, actually loving our neighbors, doing the things that Jesus said, putting them to practice, forgiving enemies, encouraging, serving, being generous, putting others first, all that stuff. And then share Christ. So how do we share Christ? Well, one important way that we can do that is to tell the story of salvation. And you can do this in a couple different ways. Well, first, there's the big story of salvation that we heard Paul tell a little bit earlier. This is the gospel. He said, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And he puts it a little bit differently, but says, tells the same story when he writes to the Ephesians. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, but because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. And to the church in Rome, he puts it like this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Each time the story tells where we were, we were dead in our transgressions. We were weighed down by sin. We were lost. But then it moves to show where we are now. We are alive. We're redeemed. We're rescued. Eternal life. We are found. And how we got from where we were to where we are is Jesus. That's the big story of salvation. When Jesus died and was raised, he overcame the powers of sin and death, and we were saved. And the truth is, we had nothing to do with that rescue. We were like my brother-in-law, passed out on the floor of his house, and then suddenly carried off to safety because of God's great love for us. That's the big story of salvation. And we can tell that anytime, no matter what's going on in our life. That story is our story. But there are also those personal stories about God's faithfulness, like the ones we shared earlier about Roger and about Claire. We can tell those stories the same way we tell the story, uh, the big story of salvation. It's praises and thanksgivings for how God has brought you from where you were to where you are now. And that may sound a number of different ways in your life. You could talk about, I was steeped in addiction, but God rescued me. You could tell about, I wasn't sure where I would go. I didn't know how I would make ends meet. God provided for me. I was alone and I was isolated, but then I found brothers and sisters in the church. Or you could say I was judgmental. I was harsh, self-interested, greedy, miserly, insecure. But Jesus gave me a new life and a new attitude and a new heart. And now I'm living for him. Praise God for how far I've come. Here's where I was and here's where I am now because of Christ. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, and now I am found. I was blind, but now I see. There are so many people in the world who don't know that the big story of salvation is their story, too. They don't know that Christ died for all and offers salvation to anyone who believes in him, is willing to follow his leading in their life. That story needs to be shared by us. Love God live faithfully, share Christ. So now I know why my brother-in-law Matt has so many carbon monoxide detectors in his house. The story he told me explains why. But think about this. I didn't know that story until I asked about it. And I wonder if I hadn't asked about it, I probably wouldn't have heard that story. I wouldn't have known how he was saved. And that's true about the story that we have. We may be ready and prepared to share that story if somebody asks, but if we wait around until somebody asks us about it, we may never get the chance to tell the story. And this story is too important for us to not tell. We can't be silent when it comes to this story. Like the psalmist says, You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. So let's not let our testimony about God's faithfulness in our lives be silent either. Let's pray together. Lord God, we continue lifting up our praises and our thanksgivings for how you have saved us in Jesus Christ. You've rescued us from death from threats, from darkness, and you have brought us into a new life in Christ. And we are so thankful for that. Let us be reminded of this throughout our week and throughout the days that we go, that we can share this story with people, whether or not they ask about it. Let it come pouring out of us because it's such an important thing in our lives. God, you have been so faithful. You continue to be faithful. We trust in your faithfulness and we give you praise this morning. We pray all this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.